Oh, yeah, starting a brand new series today, Summer Fruits. I'm excited. And I think it says something about what they think about me because they put me up here first. That means they think I'm fruity. <laughs> Joke's on me. I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm excited to hear what God has for us. And uh, don't you just love being in the house of God, man? I love it. Love uh, hearing what he has to say to us. Let's pray before we get started today, shall we? And if you're passing the bucket, just keep one eye open, okay? God, we love you so much, and we thank you so much for who you are. You're an incredible God. There is none who can't compare to you, none who can even come close to you. So we don't even try. We don't even try to place ourselves on the throne, God. We place you there. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So today, we pray that you would be Lord of what goes into our life, what goes into our ears, and what penetrates our heart. God, change us in your presence we know that your words are so much more powerful than ours. So today in this moment, I pray that you would take over, God, like only you can, and do a mighty work. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love fruit. Does anybody like fruit? Fruit is good. There's some good fruit out there. Um, and the, the most difficult part to me is knowing the difference between fruit and vegetables. Is that hard to anybody else? A little confusing? So here's, here's the process of Elijah Hollis. This has nothing to do with science at all. But this is the way I tell between vegetables and fruit. Vegetables are something you eat for a meal. Fruits are something you would eat for a dessert, okay? It's as easy as that. If you'd eat it for dessert, it's a fruit, okay? Unless it's an artichoke, then it's both ways. Because I eat artichokes all day, all day long. Y'all don't like artichokes? Do we have any artichoke lovers in the building? Thank you, my people. Me and my wife, uh, I would have to say we are passionate fruit growers. We're fruit farmers. Um, in other words, we just bought a house with some fruit trees, and now we're obligated to keep them alive. That's the truth. Um, fruit's cool, though. It's so crazy. I mean, these trees, we, we bought this house, and, and, and uh, it had all these trees and and vines and everything all around the house. And so we have these three trees. We have a plum tree. We have an apple tree. And we have a uh, peach. Thank you. <laughs> what do I have? I have a peach tree. So we have these three trees that produce this fruit. And it's amazing to me the miracle of growing fruit because it doesn't take me out there all the time, or Ashley out there all the time, fruit is produced out of fruit trees. It's amazing. It's an incredible thing. Just say it with me. Say, fruit trees produce fruit. It's amazing. Every year, none the same, go out there, and there are peaches on the tree. It's incredible. The plums, they get eaten by the bugs, or birds, or deer. I don't know if we have deer in Oxford, but Something eats my plums, and I'm ticked. I'm ticked off, because I love plums. Growing up, plums were like a delicacy in our house, and mom would always come home with a bag of plums, and we'd be like, oh, man. It was plums and artichokes. We were a weird family. That's just the way it was. You ate artichokes, and then for dessert, you had plums, okay? That's just the way it was. So I'm really ticked off at the animals that keep eating my plums, um, but it's a miracle. Every year, fruit grows on these trees. It's amazing. And we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. 
You can turn there. If you're on your smartphone, go ahead and point there. Push the button. Galatians 5, chapter, 9, uh, chapter 5, verse 19. And it's Paul talking to the Galatians. And basically, he starts off in verse 19 with all the things that you shouldn't do, all the things that you need to stay away from as a Christian. And so he's talking to me saying, hey, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, okay? How many of you know when, when Christ comes into your life, there's just some things that are obviously wrong for you now, okay? It doesn't take anybody sitting you down saying, now, let's talk about the list of naughty things, okay? And once I get done with this list, you'll know all the bad things. It, it, it's almost like you were ingrained with a natural sense of right and wrong. It's like God put that in you. It's almost like God created you in his image. What? Mind blown. Some of you just all put it all together. You could go home right now. Everything in my life makes sense. Okay. So, God, it's crazy, though, because when you come into Christ, it's like Christ gives you a filter to know exactly what is wrong for you to not get into anymore. Things that you should cut out of your life if you want to be successful in walking with Christ. And so Paul throws this out to the Galatians. He goes, I know this list is obvious. Let me just throw it out to you anyways. Uh, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. If you all see anything in your life, let this be just a moment where the Holy Spirit's kind of convicting you, Okay. That's good. We're not going to spend too much time on this stuff, though. Fits of rage, okay? That's my brother. He, he used to beat me up all the time. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. I used to do those in math, but then we stopped <laughs> because we read this scripture. You shouldn't, you really shouldn't do factions. I was never good at factions. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, so Paul throws this out. He's like, hey, this is kind of obvious. I just want to throw this list out to you just in case you have some people who are a little confused about what's going on. And as I mentioned before, so this is something he's already brought up, and he just wants to remind, just like, hey, a friendly reminder. If you're in this stuff, be careful because you lose your ticket to heaven. Okay? When you come into Christ, Jesus gives you a free gift of a ticket to heaven. You got a house, a mansion. He's preparing it for you, that whole nine yards. He's got a couple Matt Doughton angels up there that's building you a mansion. It's going to be awesome. But then he says, then he stops, and in verse 22, he has this contrast of things that should not be done and things that should flow out of your life. And that's what I want to talk about today. That's what we're going to go into in this series is the fruit of the Spirit. He says, but... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's crazy, right? Against such things, if these things are in order, there is no law. If all these things were in place, there would be no need for a law. Because this is the fruit of the Spirit. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature, the things I talked about before that make you lose your ticket to heaven, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. 
Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So fruit is a production of something that is planted, okay? Would you say that with me? Say fruit is a production of something that is planted. Yes, fruit cannot come out of something that is not planted. It'd be insane for you to go outside and look around for a tree that you didn't plant or, or, or any flower, anything that you did not put work into planting that, unless it's a weed. And weeds come naturally, okay? You don't have to plant nothing for weeds in your life. But he says, hey, listen, fruit comes out of a life in Christ. And when Christ comes in you, Christ is produced out of you. He said, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is something that fruit grows on a fruit tree, okay? When you're in Christ, fruit grows. It's not something you need to work at or something that, it it just comes naturally for you because now Christ is inside of you. So I love this. And Paul puts it plainly. He says, listen, these are the things, obviously, we shouldn't get into, but let me mention the things you should be doing. And see, this is the part, this is the line that a lot of Christians get to and forget about the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We focus so much on things we shouldn't do, we forget the things we're actually here to do. That was a good sneeze. Those really feel good. But there are things in your life that you should not focus on too much because they're obvious. It's like if you go around your whole entire life and you focus on breathe in, breathe out, heartbeat, boom, boom, blood pump. (laughs) Brain think, good thought talk. Hi. You know what I mean? Like, if you put too much thought into the obvious, you waste your time as a human. Can you imagine being consumed with those thoughts? Breathe. Breathe out. Heart pump. Blood. You know what I'm saying? That'd be so annoying. Like, what a life. You would spend your entire life focused on something that would be wasting your time. You're a human. Go live it up. Experience life. And as a Christian, if you get too focused on the obvious things, it's like, yeah, of course I shouldn't do that. If you don't focus on the things that should be produced out of your life, you miss the point. You miss the whole entire point. You might as well live it up in the world because you're missing out on the benefits of being in Christ. And when Christ is in you, when he's planted inside of you, Christ comes out of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's being in step with the Spirit. It's kind of like this. I have a good water bottle here, and Alex, you're going to kill me. This is from Home Depot because we're a Lowe's church. And I wish this was like an illustration of like, this is the devil. But it's not. But let's pretend this is us, okay? And, and this is how I kind of see it. It's like you could only produce what's inside of you. And if you're filling yourself up with garbage and you're not really filtering the things that are going in, 
you're hanging out with anybody, you're allowing any influence to get in, you have no care or boundaries for the fruit that is planted in your life, and then you expect to produce this life-giving spray. But you can't. Why? You can only produce what you plant inside of you. It'd be silly for me to think, all right, I'm going to produce some Kool-Aid, but I put water in here. That'd be silly, right? But some of us think that. We think, you know what? I'm going to watch what movies I want to watch too. I'm going to talk to who I want to at at work. I'm just going to read any type of literature that I need to. No problem whatsoever. And then we get up to do our thing for God, and and things slip. We're like, whoa, where did that come from? I, I don't know where that word shot out from. That's crazy. And something happens that's not right in your life or, or you're coming up to something that makes you angry and all of a sudden these things slip out and you're like, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is weird. Where is this coming from? But it's everything that's inside of your life. It's everything you've put in there. It's everything you've allowed to come in and take over what's inside of you. Things don't happen by accident. They happen by planting. Purposeful planting. And some of you, that's the only thing you need to get out of today. You need to start some purposeful planting in your life. You need to purposefully plant people of influence in your life. You want to produce good fruit? Get some people who are producing good fruit in your life. Have them speak life into you. Have them build you up in the, in the ambitions and the passions in your life. You want to do some great things? Get some great people around you. You want to, you want to speak wisdom? Read the Word of God. It's amazing how much wisdom is in the Word of God alone. And then you start to read books by people who have digested the Word of God and spitting it out in literature. I mean, you got all sorts of stuff coming at you. But it's important to plant the right things because if you're not planting the right things, you'll never produce the right things. When Christ is in you, Christ is produced out of you. And all of a sudden, when you get Christ in you and you start to have his Holy Spirit work in you, all of a sudden, everything out of your life is a production of greatness. You don't have to think about it. And of course, you're not struggling with the things that you shouldn't do because it's obvious. You're not worried about that because the fruit of your life is the production of your life. And all of a sudden, your production becomes great. It's good. Home Depot, you did me good. I remember in Cockenville, we started a garden, me and my wife, and this was actually intentional. But we started this garden, and we planted, uh, oh, what's the word for it? What, what is that called? The big green, my word. No, thing that takes over your garden. Cucumbers. <laughs> Not cucumbers. Zucchini, thank you, zucchini. I knew it rhymed with bikini, Okay. Zucchini. <laughs> Man, you ever, you ever like, you go, you know, you're preparing for something, you're like, I'll remember that time, I've no problem. Yeah, just had one of those moments. We planted zucchini, and all we did was plant one seed for this zucchini, okay? And if you're a gardener, if you have a green thumb, you know more than us when we planted this seed. It took over our garden. 
Zucchinis everywhere. Zucchinis in the strawberries, zucchinis over here in the carrots, zucchinis everywhere. We were growing zucchinis inside the trailer, coming up in our bed, in the bed. We're like, where's this zucchini coming from? Zucchini's crazy. And if you're not careful, zucchini will just take over your life. And there's some fruit in your life that is taking over the rest of the whole garden. And zucchini's not a fruit, by the way. If y'all are thinking zucchini's a fruit, it's not. You can't eat it for dessert. Okay, you can if you add some sugar. Don't get weird, though. Bunch of weirdos. But there's some fruit in your life that it will take over if you're not, if you're not cautious and, and careful about setting boundaries for yourself. And there's some, but there's some fruit in your life that you are natural at. There are some of you that are so loving, it is pathetic, it makes me sick. Because I can never get to that level of love that you have in your heart. There's some of you that are so selfless, it's pathetic. There's some of you that have so much of that fruit in your life that it takes over every other part of your life. It's amazing. Some of you are giving. Some of you are, are righteous. You're, you're full of peace and everything. You're full of joy. Whenever people get around you, it's contagious because you've got so much joy inside of you. It's a dominant, dominant fruit of the Spirit in your life. And then we planted strawberries. And I don't know if you've ever planted strawberries, but you don't get any fruit the first year. And I was ticked. Because I'm like, why would you plant something that you can't even enjoy? This is dumb. And it was like a whole bed of our garden was these strawberries. And all they produced was these little green leaves. That was it the first year. We had to wait the second year. Hey, guess what? There's some fruit in your life that is going to take time to produce. It's going to take time to work on. It's, it's going to take time for the Holy Spirit to work that in you because it might not be natural for you. But Christ is going to develop it in you. Don't give up because that's a fruit that God needs to, to make some, a part of your life. And it's going to take time. That patience is going to take time. That peace, it might take time for you because it's not natural for you. And maybe you're not a joyful person. Maybe you're just a grouch, Okay. Maybe you're not very fun to be around. Your family's like, yo, you gross. And then other people say, you gross too. And you're like, oh, man, I must be gross, you know? And that fruit is just killing it. And you need to grow that joy in your life. You need to be working on that joy in who you are. It's okay. It's okay. God wants to develop these fruit of the Spirit in you so that it becomes a natural byproduct of your life. It's not something you are, are constantly working on to the day you die. And this is the beautiful thing because all of these fruits of the Spirit don't come out of your natural tendencies. They come out of Christ in you. So It's a beautiful thing because it's not on you. It's on Christ's development in you. And as we get closer to Christ, he shows us not only who we are, but who we were made to be. Some of us are settling for who we're not supposed to be. And I know it breaks the heart of God because he looks down and he says, man, I made them for greatness. And look at them. God wants to develop something great in you. So I want to talk some of the fruit of the Spirit. First is love. All right? We're going to be hitting three. Love, joy, and uh, peace. Patience. Peace. Thank you. <laughs> I, write, I got to write down zucchini. That's really bad. It's messing with my mind now. I'm like, why don't I know zucchini? I want to talk about love today. 
Love in Christ is a different type of love than the world gives. I'm with a lot of people who do good things out of love, but love of the world is so far off from the love of Christ, the greatest amount of love that the world can offer is so far down on the scale of what Christ's love really is. And you know, this word for love is the fruit of the Spirit out of us. is actually from the word agape, which it focuses on the sacrificial gift of the one being loved. So it's not about the person feeling the love or the emotion of the love. It's actually a sacrificial gift of love. It's something that is hard to give. Everybody say hard to give. Love in Christ is not something that you feel. It's not something that you work up to and you're like, okay, now I feel like loving. I mean, if you look at Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, that was the greatest representation of love. But do you think he felt like it? No. And there are some things, some people in your life that will come into your life, and it will be hard to love, but Christ wants to develop his love in you. Not the love of the world, not the love that people teach, but his love inside of you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 gives a great representation of love, and you've heard this probably at every wedding you've been to, but it says in verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong, it does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, love never fails. That's not the love the world offers. I'm sorry. Love that never fails, love that perseveres. Man, I just saw a road sign that said divorce, $189. What? I wanted to stink and tear that thing up. Divorce, we're putting a price tag on not persevering? What? And you know it costs way more than $189. That's a big fat lie. 189 bucks. That's probably for a consultation. Yep, I would get a divorce. I would definitely get a divorce. That would be $189. That's definitely not the love that the world offers, and it's definitely not what counsel you'll get from the world because it's all about you. It's all about the emotional state of yourself. You should really look out for yourself. And Christ has this new idea of love, and he says love is not self-seeking. Oh, but that's rough, right? Because how many know when you are not getting gratification for yourself, it is hard to love somebody else? It's hard to give what you're not been given, especially when it's your spouse, because they owe you. It's kind of awkward. I don't know what to do besides run back here. It always trusts. It always hopes. Man, hope is an amazing thing, isn't it? Hope is something that can drive someone to do things that are highly impossible for the average human being. 
But if you have hope, and that's why Christians are the greatest volunteers, that's why Christians are the greatest individuals to give inspiration and encouragement, that's why Christians should be the greatest spouses on the face of the planet, because we have hope. This isn't our hope. This were our hope. Lord, help us quit now, because the world's going down. It's going down fast, but we don't have this hope. We have a hope in something greater, and love is hope. Love is hope. It's hope in something that you cannot see here. It's not in the, the actual factual. It's in something that is to come. It's in what God places in your mind and your eyesight so you can see past the present situation. That's what love is. Love is looking past and seeing what Christ did for you, not what the individual is doing to you right now. It's hard to love when you're looking at right here and right now. But when you look at what Christ did for you, and when you look at his representation of love, love here gets easier. Love here gets easier. And let's talk about love in, in marriage. Because Christ said that loving your wife as he loved the church, that's a big time. Because Christ died for his church. I don't know about you husbands. I would totally lay down my life for my wife. I love her. She's amazing. And God help me if she dies first, because I'm, I'm done. I need to move in with my parents after that. <laughs> so I would definitely lay down my life for her. If she ever said, I'll lay down my life, I'll be like, don't you ever leave me alone. I'm going to see Jesus. But always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's what it should look like in our life, producing love that never fails. We should be the greatest representation to the world of what love is. Every nonprofit we start should be the greatest nonprofit on the face of the planet. There's a lot of nonprofits. Do you know that? There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of nonprofits in the world. A lot of people doing good. But when Christ is in you, Christ is produced out of you. And what Christ is in, nothing can come against. And it's a love that never fails. It, it's not conditional. It's not on, well, if we can uh, feel this and everybody gets involved. No, no, no. Love is unconditional. It's beyond what we feel. So Christ in us, we should be the greatest representation of love on the face of the planet. Yeah. So love. Love has to be a gift. I wrapped it. <laughs> I know you couldn't tell. I was going for the like the crinkled look, like the the hipster package crinkle look. I nailed it, right? Nailed it. In John chapter 15, verse 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This is Jesus talking, of course. He says, greater love is no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Man, you want to truly show love to somebody? Lay down your desires. Forget your life. Lay down your desires and place theirs before yours. 
You want to love your family? Lay down your desires. Put them first. You want to love your friends, your coworkers? You want to love your boss? Lay down your desires. Put theirs first. Put no agenda to your love besides to show them Christ's love. You know what this world would look like if we didn't have agendas? Oh, man, people got agendas today, don't they? Everybody's got an agenda. Everybody's wanting to get something done, wanting to sell you something. And what if the church looked like something that we had no agenda? All we wanted to do was bring Christ to the world. What would that look like? Every church. It's not about building our kingdom. It's about building his kingdom. It's not about building our church. It's about building the church. Think about what the world would look like if Christians acted like this, when it wasn't about a name, wasn't about an organization. It was about a man. It was about Christ. It's about his love for the world. Hey, let's talk about joy. Joy is the second one. And this word joy is gladness, state of rejoicing, happiness, a reason for being glad. And Psalm 28, verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. You know why we praise him? You know why we have joy? Because of what Christ did for us. That's enough. That's enough reason to be excited. Because we were doomed for hell, and Jesus stepped in. We were doomed by the law of sin that said we cannot get clean on our own. And Jesus stepped in and said, ah, I got this. I'm paying your debt. You're free. That's joy. For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross because he knew what was coming. See, we don't rely on what's going around us going on in this world, going on in the political world. We don't rely on that for our joy and our peace. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is what he's doing. And what he is doing is good. God is on the move. He's doing a work in our world. He's doing a work in lost people. He's doing a work in leaders around the country. He's raising people to a standard to let his movement in these last days become phenomenal. God is doing something great, and that's why we have joy. Because the Lord is our strength. The Lord is our shield. Whenever something goes on in the world and the news is all about it and the Facebook world is all about it, everybody's getting concerned. Everybody's going crazy. Sorrow sets in the world. But if you see through a perspective of being in the Spirit, being in step in the Spirit, as Paul said, then all of a sudden, your joy is not consequential to this world. It's not conditional to the things going on in this world. Your joy relies on Christ. That's good. That's good news. We have a reason to celebrate. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. I love that, that kind of visual on joy, this inexpressible, glorious joy, this joy that can't be expressed in any way that you can see, but it's something inside you can't even put a word on. It's so good. How many want that kind of joy in your life? Because I do. 
Man, I want to be a joyous person. When I come into a room, it's contagious because of what Jesus is doing in my life. May God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, there is time. Whoa. There's time for celebration. Whoa. (laughs) And dead goats. (laughs) I love these things. This is, if if I could package my brother, I think that's what he would look like. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) What, Zay? (laughs) Okay, we're coming. (laughs) We'll watch you. Okay! Say! Hey, say! Hey, say! Say! Let him finish. Zay! I love you. (laughs) I love my brother. Let me just tell you this, though. Let me just tell you this. Zay's joy is contagious. Wherever this boy goes, there's a celebration. You don't even know what you're celebrating. <laughs> like, I thought we were in the line for the bathroom. This is weird. <laughs> celebration. It's that joy that's contagious. It's that joy that's inside that you can't explain with words. It's inexpressible. It's a glorious joy. But the world can't understand it, and it never will until it experiences Christ like you've experienced him. And that's the amazing thing, that when you are in Christ, Christ is produced out of you, and all of a sudden, everything's a celebration. This is crazy that that happened. It's so bad that it happened. But, oh, do you see Christ in the middle of it? (laughs) This is weird. When I want you to work, you don't. Sit there. All right, so joy. Have reason to celebrate not because of what's going on around you, but because of what Christ is doing in you and what Christ is doing in your life. That's the that's fruit of the Spirit. That flows out of you. Not because of what you see. Well, life's just really hard right now. Well, what's Christ doing in you? Okay? Our family's hitting some, some big-time days, but we always look at what Christ is doing. Man, look what Christ is doing in that nurse. Look what Christ is doing in that person that we came in contact with today. All my, na- all of my mom's neighbors now are coming over and feeling that open door And Christ is doing something in her neighborhood. I love it. And is the situation good? Absolutely not. But the joy of the Lord is in us. It's inexpressible. We can't explain it to you, but we know that Christ is in his work. He's doing what he does best, being God, reigning supreme, king of kings and lord of lords. Woo! That's what Christ does. That's what Christ does. All right. One more today I want to hit. And that's the fruit of sleep. No, the fruit of... All parents said, amen. I'll take that fruit. The fruit of peace. A peace. In fact, the Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding. Um, and this is, the, this is the trickiest one, I feel like, because our world is a world of chaos. Our world is a world of storm. If you ever watch the news, you know this to be true. You don't ever watch the news and they're like, the world is great. Everything's so calm. 
There's nothing going on. It's amazing. No, no, no. You watch our world, and our world loves chaos. It loves storm. In fact, it feeds on it. So everywhere you go, you hear rumors. You hear things going on. People are talking about the bad. You ever notice how when we celebrate in the world's, uh, so if you go into your job and someone's celebrating something that's happening, you ever notice how the celebration only lasts for a little bit and then the grumbling takes over the rest of the time? You can celebrate something, but keeping momentum in celebration is so hard and keeping a calm spirit is so hard because our society says chaos is normal. And so you bringing peace with you is not a normal thing. It's not a fruit that will come naturally to you, but it is something that Christ works and develops in you to where you are calm in the storm. I think of the, the story of Jesus sleeping in the boat when the storm's happening, and the disciples are going nuts. Can you imagine? Can you fathom what's going on? And Jesus is sleeping, catching up on Aziz while we're dying here in the boat. The waves are huge. The boat's rocking, and Jesus wakes up rubs a sleeper out of his eye, and he's like, are you serious? Do you know who I am? Do you know what your faith is grounded in? It is not in this boat. And so many times our security is in our boat and not in our Savior in the boat. See, when the Savior's in your boat, you good. Because either way, you win. It's like my dad says, you live, you win. You die, you win. You win. I love that. This would be an infomercial. <laughs> Come to Christ, 1999. You die, you win. You live. You win. Winner, winner. <laughs> I love this scripture in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Not because their life is great. Not because they set up a pension plan. Not because they have a 401. Not because of any of that. Why? Because they trust in Christ. Their trust is in something that is solid. And so their state of mind is steadfast. Boom. People are not steadfast these days because their mind is in everything around them. So when the 401 kind of falls, like, oh, my word, what do I do? Job falls out, oh, my word. Marriage is falling apart. Hey, guess what? They have nothing steadfast to get in. But it, man, I love this. You will keep perfect peace. Not just peace, perfect peace. Man, I want that, God. I want that. Perfect peace. Oh, thank the Lord. Perfect peace. Oh, man. Mm. I didn't sleep good last night. I was kind of thinking about today. But it's crazy because God can give you a perfect peace in the midst of the storm. And not because of your situation, not because of things looking brighter, or even you seeing things picking up, but it's your eyes focused on what Christ is in. Because when Christ is in the midst of it, in your boat, is your boat unsteady? You better believe it. It's made of wood. 
It's a vessel that can be sunk. You got to realize that. Your life can be sunk. That's truth. That's fact. You might die. That's fact. But if Christ is in your boat, either way, you win. So in that, you say, storm, shh, quiet. It's time for me to catch up on some sleep. Because you got that fruit of the Spirit in you, that peace that passes all understanding. And everybody might be looking at you saying, how the junk are you peaceful right now? Did you just hear the announcement that came over the loudspeaker? You didn't just hear that, and now you're going to get all peace on us. Come on. you got to be crazy. But when Christ is in it, it doesn't make sense, but it gives you a perfect peace, a peace that passes all understanding. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So here's a good practice for you, okay? You feel things getting unsteady. You feel that boat getting shaky. What do you do? You bring it to God. Say, God, I'm feeling anxious right now. God, I'm feeling kind of unsteady. In fact, can you feel it, God? This boat feels like it's going to sink. God, it doesn't look bright. It doesn't look good. The waves are huge. God, it's kind of scary. I'm a little anxious right now. God, this job is a little above me. You know that. You know my abilities aren't up there. I feel inadequate. God, this marriage seems to be out of hand. I don't know what to do. God, I'm a little anxious right now. But in that moment, when you bring your prayers and petitions to God, he says, it will be indescribable. I can't, I can't explain it to you in your human mind. You won't be able to conceive it, but I will give you a perfect peace. It passes all understanding. Amen. Would you bow your head with me? God, we thank you for who you are. You are an amazing, incredible God. And what you do is perfect. Who you are is perfect. Your plan for us is perfect. And we thank you that, God, you're in control of our lives, of the world, of every situation going down. God, we pray that you would develop in us the natural ability to produce fruit that changes our world forever. That we would produce a love that would show the world what true love is all about. We wouldn't have conditions we wouldn't have limits. It would not be self-seeking. But God, it would be a love that would show hope and trust. It would benefit those that the love is hitting, God. God, we pray for a joy to rise up in us, that we'd be a joyous people celebrating what you've done in us, celebrating who you are. You are Jesus Christ, Son of God, and you saved the world. God, and we celebrate that. God, we pray for a peace to rest. God, I pray for everybody in this room that a peace would rest in their situation. That, Lord, their boat might be rocking right now. Their boat might be rocking. In fact, if you have a situation in your life, you feel like the storms are hitting you, I want you to just lift a hand to Jesus. Just let him know. Say, God, yeah, that's me. I got a storm going on right now in my life. I got my boat rocking. It's scaring me. It's bringing anxiety into my life. Hey, but chaos... Chaos, you have no place here. Chaos, 
You have no place here. The peace of God reigns supreme. So God, I pray for your peace to reign in our situations. In the midst of the storm, you would stand up and say, peace be still. Peace be still, waves. Be quiet, storm. Settle. In, and, and Lord God, I pray for our spirits to rest in that. God, that we would rest in who you are. We would know that you are in control. There is none like you. None can come against you because you're all-powerful, almighty. And God, we give you this today. We know that you are a God that is able and capable and awesome. Jesus, we give it to you, all-powerful God. Come on, can you stand up and just start praising God? Come on, give him a shout of praise for who he is. He's amazing. He's awesome. Praise you, Jesus. We lift you up, God. We lift you up. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. You're awesome, Jesus. You're awesome, Lord. Thank you that in the midst of the storm, we are resting in you, God. You're incredible, God. You're incredible, Jesus. You're incredible, God. Teach us, Jesus. Teach us, God to be more like you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Develop this in us and let your Holy Spirit be inside of us so that the fruit of the Spirit will be a natural byproduct of our life. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus. Would you just take a moment, just bow your head and close your eyes. If there's anybody in this room that you've never given your heart to Jesus, you never said yes to him, and started a relationship with him. Hey, I want to give you an opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. If you've never done that today, you say, you know what, Elijah, I'd love to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this, Jesus died on the cross for you. He did for all of us. And all of us have a story of where we've been, what we've done, and where we are today. We're all on a journey, getting closer to Christ. But today, if you've come, you say, you know what, I want to lay down the stuff that's obvious, the stuff that I need to get rid of so that Christ can make this fruit of the Spirit so natural for me, so it can be something that comes out of my life. If that's you today, with nobody looking around, just you say, yeah, I want to accept Jesus into my heart. We used to lift up a hand say, yeah, that's me, Elijah. That's me. That's me. I want to accept Jesus into my heart today. Awesome. Anybody else? See, yeah, that's me. I need to accept Jesus into my heart, start a new life with him. Hey, he's an amazing Savior. Let me tell you from firsthand experience, there's nobody like Christ, nobody like Jesus. Awesome. Would you pray with me? Say, Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I call you Lord of my life. I commit my life to you. Love you, Jesus. Help me as I lay down these things of the world to pick up what you've given me, this joy, this love, this peace. I love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 I love Jesus. You love Jesus today? Awesome. So this week, man, start to develop those things in your life. Let Christ bring it out of your life and really start to look at what are you planting? Because you can't produce 
what you're not planning. Have a great day. We love you guys. We'll see you next week for Park Day.